Chapter Six of the Pirate's Own Book. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Pirate's Own Book by Charles Elms. Chapter Six: The Life of Captain Roberts. Bartholomew Roberts was trained to a seafaring life. Among other voyages which he made during the time that he lawfully procured his maintenance, he sailed for the Guinea coast in November 1719, where he was taken by the pirate Davis. He was at first very averse to that mode of life, and would certainly have deserted had an opportunity occurred. It happened to him, however, as to many upon another element, that preferment calmed his conscience, and reconciled him to that which he formerly hated. Davis, having fallen in the manner related, those who had assumed the title of lords assembled to deliberate concerning the choice of a new commander. There were several candidates, who by their services had risen to eminence among their brethren, and each of them thought themselves qualified to bear rule. One addressed the assembled lords, saying, that the good of the whole and the maintenance of order demanded a head, but that the proper authority was deposited in the community at large, so that if one should be elected who did not act and govern for the general good, he could be disposed and another be substituted in his place. We, the original, said he, of this claim, and should a captain be so saucy as to exceed prescription at any time, why, down with him, it will be a caution, after he is dead, to his successors, to what fatal results any undue assumption may lead. However, it is my advice, while we are sober, to pitch upon a man of courage, and one skilled in navigation, one who, by his prudence and bravery, seems best able to defend this commonwealth, and ward us from the dangers and tempests of an unstable element, and the fatal consequences of anarchy, and such a one I take Roberts to be, a fellow in all respects worthy of your esteem and favour. This speech was applauded by all but Lord Simpson, who had himself strong expectations of obtaining the highest command. He at last, in a surly tone, said he did not regard whom they chose as a commander, provided he was not a papist, for he had conceived a mortal hatred to papists, because his father had been a sufferer in Monmouth's rebellion. Thus, though Roberts had only been a few weeks among them, his election was confirmed by the lords and commons. He, with the best face he could, accepted the dignity, saying, that since he had dipped his hand in muddy water, and must be a pirate, it was better being a commander than a private man. The governor being settled, and other officers chosen in the room of those who had fallen with Davis, it was resolved not to leave this place without revenging his death. Accordingly, thirty men under the command of one Kennedy, a bold and profligate fellow, landed, and under cover of the fire of the ship, ascended the hill upon which the fort stood. They were no sooner discovered by the Portuguese than they abandoned the fort and took shelter in the town. The pirates then entered without opposition, set fire to the fort, and tumbled the guns into the sea. Not satisfied with this injury, some proposed to land and set the town in flames. Roberts, however, reminded them of the great danger to which this would inevitably expose them, that there was a thick wood at the back of the town where the inhabitants could hide themselves, and that, 
when their all was at stake they would make a bolder resistance and that the burning or destroying of a few houses would be a small return for their labour and the loss that they might sustain this prudent advice had the desired effect and they contented themselves with lightening the french vessel and battering down several houses of the town to show their high displeasure roberts sailed southward captured a dutch guineaman and having emptied her of everything they thought proper returned her to the commander two days after he captured an english ship and as the men joined in pirating emptied and burned the vessel and then sailed for st thomas meeting with no prize he sailed for anamaboa and there watered and repaired having again put to sea a vote was taken whether they should sail for the east indies or for brazil the latter place was decided upon and they arrived there in twenty-eight days upon this coast our rovers cruised for about nine weeks keeping generally out of sight of land but without seeing a sail which discouraged them so that they determined to leave the station and steer for the west indies and in order thereto they stood in to make the land for the taking of their departure by which means they fell in unexpectedly with a fleet of forty-two sail of portuguese ships off the bay of los todos santos with all their lading in for lisbon several of them of good force who lay there waiting for two men-of-war of seventy guns each for their convoy however roberts thought it should go hard with him but he would make up his market among them and thereupon he mixed with the fleet and kept his men concealed till proper resolutions could be formed that done they came close up to one of the deepest and ordered her to send the master on board quietly threatening to give them no quarter if any resistance or signal of distress was made the portuguese being surprised at these threats and the sudden flourish of cutlasses from the pirates submitted without a word and the captain came on board roberts saluted him in a friendly manner telling him that they were gentlemen of fortune and that their business with him was only to be informed which was the richest ship in that fleet and if he directed them right he should be restored to a ship without molestation otherwise he must expect instant death he then pointed to a vessel of forty guns and a hundred and fifty men and though her strength was greatly superior to robert's yet he made towards her taking the master of the captured vessel with him coming alongside her robert's ordered the prisoner to ask how senior captain did and to invite him on board as he had a matter of importance to impart to him he was answered that he would wait upon him presently roberts however observing more than ordinary bustle on board at once concluded that they were discovered and pouring a broadside into her they immediately boarded grappled and took her she was a very rich prize laden with sugar skins and tobacco with four thousand moiders of gold besides other valuable articles in possession of so much riches they now became solicitous to find a safe retreat in which to spend their time in mirth and wantonness they determined upon a place called the devil's island upon the river surinam where they arrived in safety and met with a kind reception from the governor and the inhabitants in this river they seized a sloop which informed them that she had sailed in company with a brigantine loaded with provisions 
This was welcome intelligence, as their provisions were nearly exhausted. Deeming this too important a business to trust to foreign hands, Roberts, with forty men in the sloop, gave chase to that sail. In the keenness of the moment, and trusting in his usual good fortune, Roberts supposed that he had only to take a short sail in order to bring in the vessel with her cargo. But to his sad disappointment, he pursued her during eight days, and instead of gaining, was losing way. Under these circumstances, he came to anchor and sent off the boat to give intelligence of their distress to their companions. In their extremity of want, they took up part of the floor of the cabin and patched up a sort of tray with rope-yarns to paddle on shore to get a little water to preserve their lives. When their patience was almost exhausted, the boat returned, but instead of provisions, brought the unpleasing information that the lieutenant, one Kennedy, had run off with both the ships. The misfortune and misery of Roberts were greatly aggravated by reflecting upon his own imprudence and want of foresight, as well as from the baseness of Kennedy and his crew. Impelled by the necessity of his situation, he now began to reflect upon the means he should employ for future support. Under the foolish supposition that any laws, oaths, or regulations could bind those who had bidden open defiance to all divine and human laws, he proceeded to form a code of regulations for the maintenance of order and unity in his little commonwealth. But present necessity compelled them to action, and with their small sloop they sailed for the West Indies. They were not long before they captured two sloops, which supplied them with provisions, and a few days after a brigantine, and then proceeded to Barbados. When off that island they met a vessel of ten guns, richly laden from bristol after plundering and detaining her three days they allowed her to prosecute her voyage this vessel however informed the governor of what had befallen them who sent a vessel of twenty guns and eighty men in quest of the pirates the vessel was commanded by one rogers who on the second day of his cruise discovered roberts ignorant of any vessel being sent after them they made toward each other Roberts gave him a gun, but instead of striking, the other returned a broadside, with three huzzas. A severe engagement ensued, and Roberts, being hard put to it, lightened his vessel and ran off. Roberts then sailed for the island of Dominica, where he watered and was supplied by the inhabitants with provisions, for which he gave them goods in return. Here he met with fifteen Englishmen left upon the island by a Frenchman, who had made a prize of their vessel, and they, entering into his service, proved a seasonable addition to his strength. Though he did not think this a proper place for cleaning, yet as it was absolutely necessary that it should be done, he directed his course to the Granada Islands for this purpose. This, however, had well nigh proved fatal to him, for the governor of Martinique fitted out two sloops to go in quest of the pirates. They, however, sailed to the above-mentioned place, cleaned with unusual dispatch, and just left that place the night before the sloops in pursuit of them arrived. They next sailed for Newfoundland, arriving upon the banks in June 1720, and entered the harbour of Trepassi, with their black colours flying, drums beating, and trumpets sounding. In that harbour there were no less than twenty-two ships, 
which the men abandoned upon the sight of the pirates. It is impossible to describe the injury which they did at this place, by burning or sinking the ships, destroying the plantations, and pillaging the houses. Power in the hands of mean and ignorant men renders them wanton, insolent, and cruel. They are literally like madmen, who cast firebrands, arrows, and death, and say, Are we not in sport? Roberts reserved a Bristol galley from his depredations in the harbour, which he fitted and manned for his own service. Upon the banks he met ten sail of French ships, and destroyed them all, except one of twenty-six guns, which he seized and carried off, and called her the fortune. Then, giving the Bristol galley to the Frenchmen, they sailed in quest of new adventures, and soon took several prizes and out of them increased the number of their own hands. The Samuel, one of these, was a very rich vessel, having some respectable passengers on board who were roughly used and threatened with death if they did not deliver up their money and their goods. They stripped the vessel of every article, either necessary for their vessel or themselves, to the amount of eight or nine thousand pounds. They then deliberated whether to sink or burn the Samuel, but in the meantime they discovered a sail, so they left the empty Samuel, and gave the other chase. At midnight they overtook her, and she proved to be the snow from Bristol. And because she was an Englishman, they used the master in a cruel and barbarous manner. Two days after, they took the little York of Virginia, and the love of Liverpool, both of which they plundered and sent off. In three days they captured three other vessels, removing the goods out of them, sinking one, and sending off the other two. They next sailed for the West Indies, but provisions growing short, proceeded to St. Christopher's, where, being denied provisions by the governor, they fired on the town and burnt two ships in the roads. They then repaired to the island of St. Bartholomew, where the governor supplied them with every necessary, and caressed them in the kindest manner satiated with indulgence and having taken in a large stock of everything necessary they unanimously voted to hasten to the coast of guinea in their way they took a frenchman and as she was fitter for the private service than their own they informed the captain that as a fair exchange was no robbery they would exchange sloops with him accordingly having shifted their men they set sail however going by mistake out of the track of the trade winds they were under the necessity of returning to the West Indies. They now directed their course to Surinam, but not having sufficient water for the voyage, they were soon reduced to a mouthful of water in the day. Their numbers daily diminished by thirst and famine, and the few who survived were reduced to the greatest weakness. They at last had not one drop of water or any other liquid, when, to their inexpressible joy, they anchored in seven fathoms of water. This tended to revive exhausted nature and inspire them with new vigor, though as yet they had received no relief. In the morning they discovered land, but at such a distance that their hopes were greatly dampened. The boat was, however, sent off, and at night returned with plenty of that necessary element." but this remarkable deliverance produced no reformation in the manners of these unfeeling and obdurate men. Steering their course from that place to Barbados, in their way they met with a vessel, 
which supplied them with all necessaries. Not long after, they captured a brigantine, the mate of which joined their association. Having from these two obtained a large supply, they changed their course and watered at Tobago. Informed, however, that there were two vessels sent in pursuit of them, they went to return their compliments to the governor of Martinique for this kindness. It was the custom of the Dutch interlopers, when they approached this island, to trade with the inhabitants, to hoist their jacks. Roberts knew the signal, and did so likewise. They, supposing that a good market was near, strove who could first reach Roberts. Determined to do them all possible mischief, he destroyed them one by one as they came into his power. He only reserved one ship to send the men on shore, and burnt the remainder to the number of twenty. Roberts and his crew were so fortunate as to capture several vessels and to render their liquor so plentiful that it was esteemed a crime against providence not to be continually drunk. One man, remarkable for his sobriety, along with two others, found an opportunity to set off without taking leave of their friends. But a dispatch being sent after them, they were brought back, and in a formal manner tried and sentenced. But one of them was saved by the humorous interference of one of the judges, whose speech was truly worthy of a pirate, while the other two suffered the punishment of death. When necessity again compelled them, they renewed their cruising, and, dissatisfied with capturing vessels which only afforded them a temporary supply, directed their course to the Guinea coast to forage for gold. Intoxication rendered them unruly, and the brigantine at last embraced the cover of night to abandon the commodore. Unconcerned at the loss of his companion, Roberts pursued his voyage. He fell in with two French ships, the one of ten guns and sixty-five men, and the other of sixteen guns and seventy-five men. These dastards no sooner beheld the black flag than they surrendered. With these they went to Sierra Leone, constituting one of them a consort by the name of the ranger, and the other a store-ship. This port being frequented by the greater part of the traders to that quarter, they remained here six weeks enjoying themselves in all the splendor and luxury of a piratical life. After this they renewed their voyage, and having captured a vessel, the greater part of the men united their fortunes with the pirates. On board of one of the ships was a clergyman, whom some of them proposed taking along with them, for no other reason than that they had not a chaplain on board. They endeavored to gain his consent, and assured him that he should want for nothing, and his only work would be to make punch and say prayers. Depraved, however, as these men were, they did not choose to constrain him to go, but displayed their civility further by permitting him to carry along with him whatever he called his own. After several cruises, they now went into a convenient harbour at Old Calabar, where they cleaned, refitted, divided their booty, and for a considerable time caroused, to banish care and sober reflection. According to their usual custom, the time of festivity and mirth was prolonged until the want of means recalled them to reason and exertion. Leaving this port, they cruised from place to place with varied success, but in all their captures, either burning, sinking, or devoting their prizes to their own use, according to the whim of the moment. 
the swallow and another man-of-war being sent out expressly to pursue and take roberts and his fleet he had frequent and certain intelligence of their destination but having so often escaped their vigilance he became rather too secure and fearless it happened however that while he lay off cape lopez the swallow had information of his being in that place and made towards him upon the appearance of a sail one of robert's ships was sent to chase and take her the pilot of the swallow seeing her coming manoeuvred his vessel so well that though he fled at her approach in order to draw her out of the reach of her associates yet he at his own time allowed her to overtake the man-of-war upon her coming up to the swallow the pirate hoisted the black flag and fired upon her but how greatly were her crew astonished when they saw that they had to contend with a man-of-war and seeing that all resistance was vain they cried out for quarter which was granted and they were made prisoners having ten men killed and twenty wounded without the loss or hurt of one of the king's men on the tenth in the morning the men-of-war bore away to round the cape robert's crew discerning their masts over the land went down into the cabin to acquaint him of it he being then at breakfast with his new guest captain hill on a savoury dish of salmon gundy and some of his own beer he took no notice of it and his men almost as little some saying she was a portuguese ship others a french slave ship but the major part swore it was the french ranger returning and they were merrily debating for some time on the manner of reception whether they should salute her or not but as the swallow approached nearer things appeared plainer and though they who showed any apprehension of danger were stigmatized in the name of cowards yet some of them now undeceived declared it to roberts especially one armstrong who had deserted from that ship and knew her well these roberts swore at as cowards who meant to dishearten the men asking them if it were so whether they were afraid to fight or not in short he hardly refrained from blows what his own apprehensions were till she hauled up her ports and hoisted her proper colours is uncertain but then being perfectly convinced he slipped his cable got under sail ordered his men to arms without any show of timidity dropping a first-rate oath that it was a bite but at the same time resolved like a gallant rogue to get clear or die there was one armstrong as was just mentioned a deserter from the swallow of whom they inquired concerning the trim and sailing of that ship he told them she sailed best upon the wind and therefore if they designed to leave her they should go before it the danger was imminent and the time very short to consult about means to extricate himself his resolution in this strait was as follows to pass close to the swallow with all their sails and receive her broadside before they returned a shot if disabled by this or if they could not depend on sailing then to run on shore at the point and every one to shift for himself among the negroes or failing these to board and blow up together for he saw that the greatest part of his men were drunk passively courageous and unfit for service roberts himself made a gallant figure at the time of the engagement being dressed in a rich crimson damask waistcoat and breeches a red feather in his hat a gold chain round his neck with a diamond cross hanging to it 
a sword in his hand and two pairs of pistols hanging at the end of a silk sling flung over his shoulders according to the custom of the pirates he is said to have given his orders with boldness and spirit coming according to what he had proposed close to the man-of-war he received her fire and then hoisted his black flag and returned it shooting away from her with all the sail he could pack and had he taken armstrong's advice to have gone before the wind he had probably escaped but keeping his tracks down either by the wind's shifting or ill steerage or both he was taken aback with his sails and the swallow came a second time very nigh to him he had now perhaps finished the fight very desperately if death who took a swift passage in a grape-shot had not interposed and struck him directly on the throat he settled himself on the tackles of a gun which one stevenson from the helm observing ran to his assistance and not perceiving him wounded swore at him and bade him to stand up and fight like a man but when he found his mistake and that his captain was certainly dead he burst into tears and wished the next shot might be his portion they presently threw him overboard with his arms and ornaments on according to his repeated request in his lifetime this extraordinary man and daring pirate was tall of dark complexion about forty years of age and born in pembrokeshire his parents were honest and respectable and his natural activity courage and invention were superior to his education at a very early period he in drinking would imprecate vengeance upon the head of him whoever lived to wear a halter he went willingly into the pirate service and served three years as a second man it was not for want of employment but from a roving wild and boisterous turn of mind it was his usual declaration that in an honest service there are commonly low wages and hard labour in this plenty satiety pleasure and ease liberty and power and who would not balance creditor on this side when all the hazard that is run for it at worst is only a sour look or two at choking no a merry life and a short one shall be my motto but it was one favourable trait in his character that he never forced any man into the pirate service the prisoners were strictly guarded while on board and being conveyed to cape coast castle they underwent a long and solemn trial the generality of them remained daring and impenitent for some time but when they found themselves confined within a castle and their fate drawing near they changed their course and became serious penitent and fervent in their devotions though the judges found no small difficulty in explaining the law and different acts of parliaments yet the facts were so numerous and flagrant which were proved against them that there was no difficulty in bringing a verdict of guilty End of chapter six